0: Hello and welcome back to Not Just Paleo. I'm your host, Evan Brand, and today is the big day. If you're on my newsletter, you would have known this already, but I just launched my own supplement company called Vero Pure. Vero meaning truth, pure meaning just pure. And you know I spent some time working on it behind the scenes, which is a supplement company that's very unique in terms of what they provide. And I was fortunate enough and, you know, very grateful for the opportunity to work on formulating some supplements for a multi-million dollar company and I got to see what it takes and so now I have my very own company and my first product is available now it's a hundred percent grass-fed whey and grass-fed collagen protein powder with 20 grams per scoop and I used an organic vanilla bean to flavor this not the fake natural flavor that you'll see sometimes but the real deal so I'll tell you it's been a hell of a journey seeking out the highest quality pasture-raised Non-chemical, non-hormone, just pristine quality, but I found it, and I'm so pumped to be able to offer this to you. I I can't get over the taste. I mean, I get stuff shipped from different companies all the time. Hey, try this, try that. And I'm not even just saying that because it's my product, but it's literally the best-tasting and most helpful product ever. If you don't know, collagen is incredible for your skin, your nails, your hair. I mean, it's a beauty product that can also dual as sort of a performance enhancement. If you're taking whey and you're not taking collagen with it, you're you're shortchanging your results. So you can get that for 20% off right now for the next 48 hours if you visit the website V-E-R-O, ferropure.com. So here we go. Talk about your... We'll call it like the true primal lifestyle. Tell people a little bit about what you've been up to. You have some YouTube videos talking about uh, trying to become more self-sufficient. Just kind of fill us in and get us up to speed of where you're at now and what you're up to.
1: Yeah, and this spawned from, like I said, I grew up in a small town, uh, about 1,800 people. About uh, It was in the Sierra Nevadas below uh, Mount Whitney, which is uh, the tallest mountain in the continental United States. Very well known uh, for hiking and uh, climbing it. And it's a group hunting, fishing, you know, group, like I said, a poor redneck out in the middle of nowhere. And that's the lifestyle I knew, but I also didn't eat healthy. I ate, you know, my main diet as a kid was Fruit Loops, Pop Tarts, and uh, Kool-Aid. That seemed to be my main staples. But I was exposed. Yeah, (laughs) pure sugar. And I had a ton of health conditions, um, like most people uh, who would eat that and do eat that. But I... Over life, you know, being a federal agent, I was in the military. I traveled all over the world and, you know, just kind of moving all over the place. I kind of in living in metropolitan areas. I just kind of got burned out. I was like, I'm done with this. I want to return back to my roots and get back into the lifestyle. And I was, you know, doing it. So I downsized. I sold my house uh, about five years ago in San Diego. And then I downsized to a, a smaller cottage which is basically a studio house. And then I went from that into my travel trailer. Um, so that took about a five-year process of downsizing, selling all my stuff, and just kind of decluttering my life, rebooting. I had the nutrition and exercise. I had all that stuff wired. But I was trying to figure out, you know, where are the next moves? What's going to make me happy in life? You know, we, you get older. I'm in my mid-40s now, and you kind of sit back and go, okay, what is life truly about? where am I going? You know, what's going to make me happy and kind of disengaging from all the noise of society today and the bombardedness of just all the crap that comes in living in the United States today. And I went, okay, how do you fix that? How do you detach? How do you do it without, you know, ending up in a shack in the middle of the forest, making bombs like the Unabomber going nuts. You don't want that either, but trying to live a good lifestyle And I went, okay. So I started exploring around when I was a federal agent with the FDA at the end. And I ended up, I've been to almost every state in the country. And I started looking around for a place to go. And I had a good friend in western Washington. And then I uh, was working some cases in eastern Washington. I fell in love with the area. So I started looking more into eastern Washington because it's more remote, more more affordable, and uh, less rain. Uh, The weather's a lot better. So I started looking up here and I, I found twenty acres about uh two years ago and was able to purchase it for a very good price. It's up in the mountains, uh up on a hill. And it's beautiful, it's prime hunting ground. Uh, my game camera was going off this morning, sending me photos to my phone of uh some white tailed deer. And uh, Do you I've have elk? everything.
0: Do you have elk up there? Oh
1: absolutely. Uh I've got elk, moose, deer, bear. <laughs>
0: That's a wild trip.
1: turkeys, grouse. Um, I've caught the mountain lion, the female mountain lion that roams through my property a couple times on my camera. Wow! Um, I've seen all of them, but the mountain lion in person. Uh, actually, I need to post a video of a moose. I got ten feet within a, a full bull uh, uh, bull moose, which is dangerous. I don't recommend that to people. <laughs> I was I, I travel on my mountain bike with a, with a firearm and two knives. I'm not stupid. That's the thing, too. I grew up in the wilderness, so I kind of (laughs) know. You know, you don't want to go out there and start stalking animals without at least having a background because a moose can kill you very quickly. And they're very fast, and they're, you know, thousands of pounds. You do not want to screw around with a moose, and they got a temper. But, you know, some are docile. The ones around here, um, they're not widely hunted, so they're used to humans, and they've seen humans a lot more than, like, in Alaska where they can get pretty testy. Um, cause they know you're going to hunt them. But yeah, so I kind of went on this adventure, bought this property. It's raw land, nothing on it. Um, so I had to start from scratch and try and figure out. So I started with water, you know, your most essential tool that you need is water. So I knew there was water, but we had to drill the well. So I drilled the well, had to go 510 feet. That's a deep, deep well. And, uh, but we got water and then I put in a, a, a septic system. And now I just got all my permits for my house yesterday. So we're getting ready to break ground this week and start building the house. Um, but it's a, it's a long process. I mean, you, you're hearing this now. It sounds short, but this started about seven, eight years ago, really, when I started the whole process. And doing it off the grid, too. Um, so I'm going off the grid. I'm going to use solar and wind as my only power source. I'm not going to be hooked up to the grid at all. There's no power nothing around me. It's over a mile away. Um, it'll cost 80 grand run power. So I went, I'm just not even contemplating that idea. And so I'm just going for it. You know, I'm going to go up there. I'm going to build greenhouses, going to do rainwater collection. I'm going to build, a, a, you know, a self-sufficiency pond in there to be able to use that water. And it'll be in case there's ever a fire, I'll have that water source, so, yeah, it's going to be kind of this evolution of trying to become very self-sufficient. And the end goal is to be completely self-sufficient, if I can swing it, to where I don't go to the grocery store to get anything, you know, to where, you know, I'm not on the grid. I'm not paying for any power source. But you have to have a generator backup. that, You know, it, it's not a perfect science still. So, yeah, I'm just going to said screw it. I'm going for it. Um The downside, uh which I've written about for off the grid, though, a lot of people, cause I get a lot of questions on this and I have my YouTube videos. and I'm going to be writing a book about my off the grid experience and how the average person can do exactly what I did. And that's part of it is I am not rich. I did was not born on third base. I was born in the dugout. I was poor knowing it. I was first kid to graduate from college in my family. So I've had to do this by normal means. And I want to show people that, but with off the grid, you can't finance the property. You have to pay for everything cash. So it makes it even a little more of a challenge. Um, but it's doable. I want to show that it's doable to people. And I'm also using a, a product called Spazwall to build my house. Well, it's a, it's a green brick product made out of Oregon. And it's 85% recycled wood, 15% concrete. So it comes like a cinder block. But it has an R twenty five insulation rating, so it's pretty cool. It's uh, the house is going to be pretty cutting edge on some of the stuff I'm doing, as far as green technology and insulation and being off the grid.
0: That's probably cheaper than what I was going to ask. Is uh, hempcrete? I've been, I saw there's a guy in Asheville, North Carolina who built his house out of hempcrete, and it's incredibly breathable material and. I know in Europe they use a lot of it, but it's so expensive here in the U.S. because hemp is still illegal to grow. Uh, I think in Kentucky we're finally starting to step it up here with uh, some growing programs, but uh, I've looked at it. It's insanely expensive to build out of that, so I'm guessing the way that you've done it is it sounds pretty equal in terms of how good and cool it is, but uh, probably a lot cheaper.
1: Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is it's become trendy to do teeny, teeny houses and to do green construction. And I warn people that, too. I did a, a little video on that, understanding the teeny house movement and the off-the-grid movement, and not getting sucked into the commercialization of it, because uh, it makes it far more expensive than it needs to be, because they're preying upon you wanting to do this. Next thing you know, you've spent $500,000 on an 800-square-foot house,
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? Yeah. and
1: all this. and. You, you don't have to do that. This Fazwall product is actually very, very affordable. It's been around for a while, and uh, it ends up being averaging about ten dollars a brick.
0: Okay. Now, and it's like sp- spell yeah. that out. Is that S P A Z?
1: It's F A S W A L L, I believe. There may be only one L in it. Okay. I'd have to look it up. But look up Fazwall,
0: Oregon. Oh, Fazwall. Okay. Up. Okay. Fazwall,
1: yeah. And it, uh, what they do is you have to order it, so it takes about six to eight weeks to get your delivery because um, it's still a small company, but they've done some pretty big construction projects. And with it, the R25 insulation value is phenomenal. There's no commercial product because it's technically – they do enough to where it is technically a commercial product. And no, nothing has that insulation value. So it's, uh, you do fill the cells with concrete, and it is. It's breathable. It doesn't. Uh, it's mold resistant, fire resistant, uh, waterproof. So it's an outstanding product. And when you look at ten dollars a brick, sounds expensive, but what we did is, uh, me and uh, my contractor, we looked at the the trade-off between stick construction, which is your normal framing using two by four, two by six, two by eight, depending how much insulation you want. And going to this product because you cut all that out, it ends up being very, very close to standard stick construction. It's not that far off, and the upside is you have far more, uh, far better insulation value. The structure is indestructible. I mean, once you fill the stu- the cells with concrete and rebar, that structure is going nowhere at all. Um, and it's you can actually uh, put like if you're going to do uh, your rock veneers. You're going to do drywall and Whatever you're going to do, you don't have to prep the surface. surface is ready to go. So it cuts that side of it out, too. Um, and that's the thing. I've actually built two other houses, and I've actually remodeled places and owned apartments. So I'm not a complete amateur in the house building side. Um, that's, even, even with that, it, it's a huge learning curve. I mean, learning about this stuff and trying to figure out, because I'm constructing a house that I've never constructed this way before. So, But I know the basics. I know certain codes and regulations, and a lot of people think of off the grid as just throwing something up like hay bale houses and also, uh, gosh, what's that round tube, uh, what do they call that, where you fill it with sand and concrete, what is that called, bag, sandbag houses. And people think of that, and they go, oh, I can just throw something up Well, yes and no. If you do that on a property, you're actually reducing the value of the property. If you're not getting the proper permit, you're not building the code. The problem with that is now you've got a structure on your property that if you ever want to sell it, it's hard because now it's unapproved, it's unpermitted, and now someone who wants to live there, unless they want to live in your dwelling the way it is, which is, you know, you're really dwindling down your prospective client to sell to, you've basically created a structure that they have to knock down and take out and then start from scratch. So basically you're selling land with junk on it. Um, and that's how I warn people about too, don't get caught in that trap uh, of just throwing a structure up willy-nilly. With Google Earth, trust me, they're going to find your structure. And I know out here, even though I'm in a remote, this is the most remote, uh, county in Washington State, I went into the local uh, 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 technology department is what they call it, but they do all the site or the land surveys and they do all of the mapping. I was able to get Google Earth photos of my lot in high resolution. Yeah, yeah. if you think somehow you're going to sneak by and get away, you're not. Yeah, They're going to find it and you're going to get taxed on it and if it's unapproved you're going to get nailed i mean bottom line so we all want to try and remove ourselves from the government and all this stuff but technically you got to play by the rules um you're just going to get yourself in a lot more trouble by cutting corners and doing that
0: that's interesting man i wanted to to jump back to the topic of simplifying everything obviously what you're doing not everyone will want to do but i think it's i think it's pretty Pretty cool honestly but uh, for people that just they're like holy crap that sounds so overwhelming talk a little bit about just the simplifying your life aspect I mean even for me I've mentioned it too many times people are probably sick of me saying it but after I sold my TV I had a newfound sense of clarity and I freed up I didn't watch that much TV when I owned one but I had all this new brain juice that was flowing to allow me to focus on other things. And I feel like the problem that some people are facing is that there's not enough time for them just to sit there and listen to the birds and think. And it sounds like what you've done is you've freed up some time to do that.
1: That's Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. And that's, you know, the way I grew up. Uh, Where I grew up, I grew up with sticks. So we didn't really have but four channels. You know, we didn't have cable. We had antenna. And Van Tanna, if, if, if it was crappy weather, you weren't getting any channels. <laughs> so I had to learn early on, I spent a lot of my time outdoors. And by getting away from that, it was tough. Uh, the biggest thing, and I have people coming to me all the time. Matter of fact, this weekend, someone came to me and they go, God, can I go look at your trailer and see how you've set things up? Because I've been living in my travel trailer almost a year now. And I got a newer one, which is a little bigger, but it's not big. They go, how did you do that? And I go, well, it was steps. And you got to look at it. And the first decision you have to make is, do I want to live in the lifestyle that's being perpetuated today? Am I happy in this? And if you go, no, I need to find something else. I want to slow down. I want more quiet time. I want to be able to relax. Okay. The big, easiest place to start is declutter. Look around at your house and see how much crap you have in there that you never use is nothing but a, a time suck and money suck. When I sold my stuff, I sold it on Craigslist. I stripped my house out. I had a 1600, 1700 square foot house. I sold everything in about 72 hours. <laughs> I had a fire sale and that was my big step. And I think I sold 10000 $15,000 worth of stuff. I sold everything, washer, dryer, you know, ceiling fans. Anything that, that I'd purchased that were high-end items that I didn't feel were necessary, I just stripped the house out and got rid of it. And then the clothes and, you know, backpacks that I hadn't used and, and just junk. I mean, TVs. I think I had five TVs. You know, just stupid stuff. And I went, why did I buy all this crap? And you don't realize how much of it you have until you got to get rid of it or move. And before I was lucky because I was, you know, I was in the government. So my moves were always paid for. I didn't have to move any of my stuff. They moved it for me. This time I had to actually see all my stuff firsthand. I had way too much stuff. And I decluttered. And when I went from that size place into my next place, which was about 500 square foot, it was a pretty big downsize. I didn't really get a lot of rid of I had it. All I had left was a mattress, a futon, one TV, and I'm trying to see if I had any other big items. I didn't. That was it. Oh, I had some lawn furniture and my barbecue. That was it. That's all that was left. And so I lived in that house for four years and then rented. And And that was another thing was selling your house and freeing yourself up of that that anchor. You know, when you have a mortgage and you have a house, you're stuck. And it took me, you know, into my late 30s to figure that one out after owning several houses that, renting is, you know, it has a bad stigma, but if you're not sure what you want to do or where you want to go, buying a house is the last thing you should do. And now I've learned that, you know, even the house I have here technically is going to be kind of temporary. It's not going to be a place that I may live in 12 months out of the year. But I want it because now I've learned that I don't have to use it as my official place to live because I'm an entrepreneur I've moved into a business model where I can work remotely. That's a whole topic for another time. But the simplification is then I would go and rent a place and just kind of figure it out and go, okay, what am I going to do? Where do I want to live? What do I want to do for a living? Do I want to still work in the corporate structure? Do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to start my own business? What do I want to do? And from there, then you can make your next decision. And by renting, now you can basically pack up and go. And by getting rid of all that stuff, my move was pretty easy. It all fit in a six by 12 or yeah, 12 U-Haul trailer. And I didn't even fill the thing up. It was half empty. And that was it. And most of my belongings were tools, mountain bike, road bike. And I don't think there was any, there's no furniture in there anymore. And my clothes. I mean, that's basically what filled up my, my moving trailer. And so it's just taking it in phases. Don't jump in. A lot of these programs on T V show you, you know, you go out and buy a forty five thousand dollar shed on wheels, which is a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, you know, I bought my first travel trailer for seventy five hundred bucks. And it had a toilet in it, working, it has stove, <laughs> you know, it has plumbing, has heating, has cooling. And that was an easy step for me, and it was a simple step. You know, this teeny house movement is incredibly expensive.
0: I was going to say, per- yeah. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up because I've looked at it. I've I've had this, I had this little weird phase where I'm like, yes, let's do it. You know, because I was in the transition phase of where I was going to live, and I looked at some of the tiny houses, and I, I showed my buddy, I showed my buddy Jason, and he looked at it and he said, I could build that for about two to three thousand dollars. What are they charging? And I, I it was. I don't know, 36,000 or something. And it was just insane. And he's like, man, he's like, you're paying just for the name of that thing. He's like, I can build you that. Those raw materials are cheap. So not that everybody's interested in tiny houses, but since we're on this discussion, it's something that's worth bringing up that if you are feeling the little antsy bug and you want to do something that you don't have to automatically jump into one of the marketed versions of this, this type of life. Yeah, and that's why I recommend a travel trailer. Now, when you say Um, travel trailer, is that something that's connected to a truck, or does that have its own? Is that like an RV?
1: A travel trailer is what you put on your tow hitch. Um, You can have also, uh, you know, you got a fifth wheel and a travel trailer. Mm -hmm. God, I hope I'm saying this right. But uh, there's two ways. And an RV, a driving RV, is one that you drive. It actually has, you know, an engine... And it's self-contained. That is, you know, what people think of as uh, an RV. But a travel trailer, mine is, you tow it on a tow hitch behind your truck. Oh, okay. Or a car. And so they make them very light now. Both of mine have been called ultralight, which means they're constructed to be very light where a V6 can actually tow them. I wouldn't recommend it for long distances, but it does work. I towed my first one with my Toyota Tacoma. Um, this one, I I now have a full-size truck, and uh, that's built for towing. But this trailer still is fairly light. I just watched it. It's funny you say I watched a program, the Teeny House program last, two nights ago. And the one they showed, this guy built, they did it all themselves, and I want to say it cost $23,000 the way they did it. It was crazy. I don't know what they were thinking. And it weighed 14,000 pounds, I think. That's a lot. My trailer weighs less. It weighs around 4,500 pounds. And my ultralight before this one was 3,900 pounds, or right around there. That, that thing was three to four times heavier than what I'm towing right now. And they're incredibly top-heavy. They're super dangerous. And you have to get it – it has to pass – and be certified by your local motor vehicles department, because it's got to be a registered licensed vehicle. Right. I mean, you can't just tow this thing around. You get on the street, you're going to get pulled over and given a ticket. It has to be registered and pass inspection. So to me, why would you waste all that time and effort trying to build or have someone build? Cause those things do go to 45. The, the realm I've seen them is 25 grand to 45 grand. That, Forty-five grand for a uh, 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 fifth wheel, which is where you have the slot in the bed of your truck.
0: Oh, right, yeah. And it,
1: yeah, and then it goes in there. Those are far more easier to tow for stability. But a big one of those, those are usually 30-foot plus. Uh, 45000 will buy you the mecca of those things. I mean, that have three pop-outs, that have, you know, hardwood cabinets. I mean, they're beautiful. They're amazing and they're huge. Why would you go and buy something that's top heavy that can blow over in the wind and take your vehicle out? You know, why would you go that way? I just, like I said, they're commercializing it and taking advantage of people. And that's why I always warn people, do your research. It's just like the primal power method, I tell people. Do your research on health and nutrition. You know, you have to learn the basic principles in order to change your life. If I just give you the, the hows without the whys, you're not going to learn anything. You're just following something blindly. So, you know, even in this, kind of do your research. And that's why I'm, I'm documenting everything so people can see how I've done it. Um, you don't have to do it the way I There's multiple ways to do what I'm doing. Um, you can take it, you know, to the extreme and live in Alaska, in the middle of nowhere with no running water, no electricity, or you can do I'm in the middle. I'm going to have solar wind, um, or you can live in a residential and go, you know, connected to the grid, but you have solar, and you maybe you have some chickens in your backyard if your HOA will allow it. And, you know, there's many ways to do it. You don't have to just jump all in. But just be careful. And anything in life, and especially in America today, I'm actually doing a blog post today about a really bad company I bought my seat covers from called CoverKey. And I've talked about how they were more concerned about selling me something than making me happy. And that's a problem with a lot of products today and a lot of trends today. Look at it in the perspective of, are they just trying to sell me something or are they trying to provide me a service? You know, and that's one thing I pride myself on in my business is that I, to this day, I've never had one complaint. I've never had one product returned. That's pretty amazing. I'm actually dumbfounded on that. I did not think that was even possible. But it's because I provide a good service. I provide it. It comes from me. I created everything. It comes from my experience, my background. And that's my whole goal is to help people out first. But it is a business. I do have to make money off it. But that's not my primary goal. I think that's what's been lost today in the business world, unfortunately.
0: You're saying the money's the money was the main priority as opposed to the actual quality of a product?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you find that more and more. And that's why I tell people, you just have to be careful. It's hard. We get duped all the time. You know, it's uh, in everything we do. And I'm not trying to create this, uh, you know, completely negative outlook. But it's how the economy is built in America today. It's built off consumerism. It's not built off things that you actually need. It's to keep the engine running and to keep you in the funnel and keep you purchasing because our economy relies upon you purchasing. And that's how a lot of companies are grown on not providing you a service anymore, but providing you with something you don't need or buying at a level that is not necessarily for what you're looking for. It's like the teeny house movement, that trailer. Do you need a $45,000, you know, wood trailer? No, you really don't. There's no real purpose for that.
0: It looks cool, though. I'll tell you that.
1: Oh, it looks great. Yeah, they look really cool. But, I mean, you see how tall they are. Yeah, they they're are big. They're they're, da- they're flat-out dangerous. And, you know, you still need to hook up to sewer. You still need to hook up to power. I mean, it's not like you just buy the thing, roll it out in the middle of a field, and you're good to go. Yeah. I mean,
0: what are
1: you, you going to do? You spend forty five grand, and now you can't use your toilet? Now you don't have any water? I mean, just, that's what I mean. Use your head. I mean, $45,000. I bought my 20 acres, and I drilled my well with that money, with $45,000.
0: Jeez. I figured an acre was ten grand or something. That's, you got a good deal then.
1: Well, I got lucky, um, and I talked about this. I wrote a blog post on how to find your land, because it is. It's, it's a tr- tough process because, uh, you know, it's becoming more popular to so a lot of these real estate agent, agency firms who are finding people, you know, they specialize in people looking to live more remote. Well, now they're taking advantage of those people too, and they're selling lots that really aren't buildable. They're junk lots is what I call them, um, it took me a while to find my lot. You know, Like I said, I spent seven, eight years going through the whole process. Right. But I'd also bought land. I've owned land in New Mexico. I've owned land in other places. Like I said, I wasn't a rookie. I mean, I had at least the basics. But even with that, I was in a new state. I didn't know the land real well, but I explored. It was tough. I right place, right time for my lot. Um, even the locals are pretty amazed at the lot I was able to find. Um, But it was because most people didn't know it was around. Most people didn't know it was for sale.
0: So do you recommend recommend Landwatch? That's the site that I found for looking for acreage. Is that reputable? Is that something you enjoy? Is there a better online resource?
1: You know, I used that one. I used uh, realtor.com as my famous go-to. And I only use those as tools to get an idea. And that's what I wrote about in my my blog article, and it's on my website at primalpowermethod.com. Just do a search for, I think, Off the Grid, and it should pop up. But I talked about that's where you kind of get your baseline. You figure out what's out there and what the prices are, but it only gives you that. The only way to truly find your land is you have to explore. You have to go to the areas. And I, I put over 2,000 miles on my rental car in a two-week period up here traversing the Northeast Quadrant. I hit every back road, dirt road, you name it. I think I did on all of them. I looked everywhere just to kind of get the lay of the land and figure it out. And from there, though, you have to establish a, a relationship with a local community. So I was in a very small town. I went to the bank and asked if they had any foreclosures or any uh, – repo's on lots, any land, and she goes, no, we don't have anything, but you know what, I know a real estate agent that actually kind of, that's his, you know, he's a local, he kind of specializes in that. Well, lo and behold, after spending 10 days with a bozo taking me to all these junk lots, I go to this guy, you know, it's 5 o'clock at night, he's getting ready to leave, he goes, no, I think I got two lots. He goes, I'm pretty sure these are exactly what you're looking for. He goes, let's meet up tomorrow morning and let's go look. You know, I meet up with a guy, he takes me out there. The first lot we look at, I go, oh my God, this is it. And that was the lot I bought. That's and cool. I wouldn't have found, yeah, I wouldn't have found that lot if I wouldn't have asked the local, you know, a local person who knew someone and then led me to the small real estate agency in the town. Cause I thought, no, I'm not going to use them. I'm going to use the one in Spokane, which is a big city and they specialized in hunting and outdoor lots like that. And, uh, that was a, actually ended up being a mistake because they showed me everything that they wanted me to buy, not what I was looking for.
0: What is what an what a simple and amazing concept. Go talk to another human. That's a local. That's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that.
1: Yeah, and and I, I talked about that too. Is um, you know, you have to. You're going to be living in that community, so why not get to know the people first? And I did. I made made a trip out first, and then made another trip. And then figured it out, got the lot all bought. But I already was in the community a little bit. People knew who I was. Um, I'd asked a lot of questions. I'd gone around to the to more of those small local real estate agencies. And they got to know me. And from that, because you have to realize, too, you're not buying in just land. You're buying into a community. People have this idea that you can buy this land and you don't have to talk to anyone ever. That's not going to happen. I mean, you have to rely on people to get the things you need, and you better make sure that the area you're in, see if that community fits you, because you're now a part of that community, and make sure it's what you want, and that's what I did. I talked to the locals. I looked at the town. It reminded me of where I grew up. I fell in love with the place. And I said, this is where I want to be, and that's how I determined it, so that's, I mean, it takes time, and and I recommend people plan because you jump into this, and this place, this area is actually well-known for this, of people moving from California to this part of the U.S., lasting a year and then leaving because they have this grand idea that, you know, they've watched all the TV shows. They show up in their BMW. You know, they've got their, their poodle, and, you know, they want to go to the mall and all this stuff, and they're just completely lost. They have no clue what they're getting themselves into. And they buy a big cabin because they sold their house and they have all this extra money. And then, you know, the first winter hits and they're like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, we don't even have a four-wheel drive. And reality hits, you know, that, oh, okay, there's no beach, there's no mall. Now what? And so that's what I mean, really think it through. Is this the lifestyle that you want? And, uh, you know, for me, I'm kind of splitting hairs because I plan to live up here in the beginning, in the summer only. And then I plan to use my travel trailer and travel to warmer parts of the country and kind of hang out with my family. My, My mom is getting older and I want to spend some time with my family. And that's how I'm going to do it in the beginning. But I do plan to live up here full time.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I think I fantasized it a bit myself, especially with the tiny house stuff. And it's definitely it's not for everybody, but I at least wanted to make sure that uh, we got to talk about it today, just because it's a it's a timely topic. A lot of people are doing that, and you mentioned that um, you're friends with Jack of the Survival Podcast. And uh, some people here may li- may or may not listen to that show, but you know, there's plenty more stuff there if you did if you did geek out on this stuff today that you can check out that show. Give us your resources and things like that so people can keep up with you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, My main website is uh, www.primalpowermethod.com. And do a search for either Primal Power, we'll bring it up, or Gary Collins, and it'll come up. But I have everything linked in there, so all my social media is linked. Uh, My YouTube page is just www.youtube.com forward slash Primal Power Method. I have a a good series of videos on my off-the-grid project, but I'm a health guy. You know, I'm a health and nutrition exercise guy. So that's where uh, everything kind of spawns from. But, you know, I have a little bit of everything. I just did a financial – I'm on a financial health series teaching people how to manage their money and understanding, you know, how to become more financially free. So I've done that. I'm getting ready. I've got the last two episodes that I need to put up. So it's a little bit of everything. So if they go to my main website, though, it will take them to all
0: my other resources. Cool. Yeah, and I do recommend checking out the YouTube videos just for fun. Even if you're not interested in this stuff, at least watch some of the stuff you've gone through. It's pretty fun to see you packing up the the U-Haul and things like that. So um, good for you, man. That's great.
1: And dragging the drilling rig up with a bulldozer? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the best when people laugh at that one. They go is that really what I think is going on? I go, yeah, we had to drag the drilling rig for the well up with a pretty decent sized bulldozer because it was that hard to get up there. It got stuck. So yeah.
0: Cool. But since you're so immersed in this off grid project, I figured that was the most timely subject for today. So, so thanks for your time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Evan.
0: You're welcome. All right. I know I spoke so quickly in the beginning of this episode that you're probably like, what? You launched a company. Dude, are you crazy? Maybe, but I'm, I'm so pumped. I mean, I'm so thrilled to be able to offer this product, and I have a whole backpack full. I don't know if it's a backpack. I would consider it a binder. Let's call it a binder, full of formulations and different things that I've been working on, brain supplements, pre-workouts, more digestive support stuff, just everything that I actually use in my clinic one-on-one when I'm working with patients, I'm going to be coming up with an even better version, you know, because I use a lot of professional lines now that are available to practitioners and I really like a lot of them. But there's certain things that I would tweak like, oh, I don't like that form of magnesium. I would use this form or, oh, I don't think that's enough dosage or, oh, I think that's too much or no, why do you have folic acid in there? No, get it out, you know. So there's so many different things that I want to tweak and it's like I can't tell the manufacturer directly, hey, you need to change your supplement for me. So I figured why not just start my own company and design the supplements that I know are going to be most helpful for my patients and to get them better results and better quality. So that's what I've done. With Vero Pure. So, like I mentioned in the beginning, my first product is available now. It's a grass-fed whey protein and grass-fed collagen with organic vanilla flavoring. And it is insanely delicious. It's 20 grams of protein per scoop. And hopefully you're one of my awesome subscribers that has downloaded this episode quickly because there's a little countdown timer on the actual product page with about 48 hours left to get this new product for 20% off. So just head to Veropure, V-E-R-O, pure.com. That's the new home for this company. And you can purchase that product right there. That's going to help support the show. It's going to help support your health. And it's going to give me the ability to provide tons more incredible products that are going to help you achieve true health and happiness. So Veropure.com, visit the website, and I'll let you go for now. Check, uh, stay tuned for the podcast, though. I'm going to try to get another episode up this week, so I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Bye. Why I'm in the I got to watch out, girl. Don't wanna see her by her eyes, okay. Cause I've been watching, you've been hurting. Let me be the one that loves you better.